1: To get your new wireless plan
0: for just fifteen bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to
1: mintmobile.com slash switch. That's mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: Welcome to Dram Talk. Pour a dram, take a seat,
1: and let's talk whiskey. I'm Brad. And I'm Daniel. And today, we're going to be talking about whiskey in pop culture. So, what we're going to be looking at is kind of those those key pivotal moments that, from TV shows, movies, um, whatever it may be, that has kind of formed those core memories for us when it comes to whiskey. Because I don't know about you, Brad, but... For me personally, a lot of the TV shows that I remember kind of watching as I was in high school and into early uni stage, um, there were certain characters and certain moments in those shows that really kind of shaped my image of whiskey, the kind of people who drink whiskey, the ethos around it. And so I think like, it'd be fun just to chat about that for a bit.
0: Yeah, no, that's super interesting as well. Like I think it's, I guess, a good thing to look at, mainly just because, you know, there's that saying of, you know, uh. The, kid, the, t- the TV is, like, teaching kids or whatever, or um, when kids are just kind of sitting in front of it for, like, hours on end. Um, so I guess we're going to kind of delve into what has the TV taught us and in this, particular <laughs> in this particular category of, you know, what the TV taught us about whiskey. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And, um, I mean, I feel like, yeah, we should preface this with drink responsibly and this, this stuff I did learn after I was of drinking age. Wink. Yeah, same. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not before then. <laughs> no, no,
0: not before that. Not a second before that.
1: Not, not <laughs> the, the minute before I turned 18 was not thinking about alcohol. <laughs> and then I was like, you know what? Oh, this whole world's opened up. <laughs> Brand new as of this moment. <laughs> so what's in your glass? What are you starting off with tonight, Brad? So
0: for me, it's a dram that I know I initially really, really loved. And the more I've gone back to it, like I still enjoy it, but it's starting to develop flaws. And I think that's maybe just coming from exposure to more whiskey, as well as just, I guess, refining my palate now as well. And that's the Glen Grant 15, the uh, Batch Strength edition. And again, yep. we know we've spoken about this before, like Batch Strength, what is Batch Strength? you know, everyone has different words and different meanings for the same thing. So is bat strength, cast strength? I don't know, maybe. (laughs) But yeah, I I remember when we first looked at this whiskey, you know, three years ago now, it was, I don't know, one that I really, really enjoyed. And I think you really enjoyed it as well in the sense of, and it could have just been the circumstances we had it in as well, because we both kind of described it, if I recall that, as a very good summer dram. And I'm pretty sure we had it when it was like really hot as well. So it was just kind of one of right place, right time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> for
0: it to just be really looked at super favorably. But yeah, no, it's I think it's still a good whiskey, but for more, I'd say, experienced drinkers. And if you've really explored the world of whiskey, yeah, you might be kind of on that other end where you start to see some flaws kind of show up in the whiskey.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what about you? I think I've almost gone the opposite to you. So, I've got the Talisker port Re, which it's Talisker aged in port cask, or finished in port casks. And I remember the neck pour of this. I was not a fan. There was, there was some, uh, it was either some weird funk, or maybe it was just like a very strong um, port influence initially that I was like... Where's I mean, the Talisker here? Like I was like I was not a fan of it, but then like I revisited it a couple of weeks later, and I was like, oh, this is not what I remembered. And then um, I feel like every time I've had a dram of this, which has only been like three or four times since the bottle's been opened, I found I have enjoyed it a little bit more. So let's see if that that trajectory upwards continues. But that is what I will be drinking today.
0: Yeah. Um. Funny on that as well. What you say about like the port note wasn't one that you really enjoyed. Thinking back to it, was it similar, I guess, Nekpor-wise to the Dalmore 12 port reserve that we had? Where that was just, I guess, so left of field of what we were expecting <laughs> from like yeah. a port cask. Because we've had other port casts that we really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Where, and that one was the first one where it was kind of, you've, we've gone in expecting to like it. And it was not like in our wheelhouse at all.
1: Yeah, I think this one may have been more um how the port and the light peteredness of Talisker was playing, as well as the Maritime character. Mm-hmm. Like, like, they were all just mixing into something I hadn't experienced before. Yeah. And I think it was definitely something that actually needed to open up a little bit, needed a little bit of oxidation to happen, because just to really, like, I don't know, allow the different flavors to harmonize... Um, yeah without, without going too like abstract in talking about it like i just feel like it was it didn't really make sense when i first tried yeah it. and it's yeah. starting to make a bit more sense to me now as it yeah changes and settles i guess if that's yeah that's
0: no, no that's good that's good Cause it's like one of those as well where it's like looking at the bottle it has all the ingredients in your mind for you to really enjoy it and then yep. when it doesn't you're kind of like what have i done and i think port's been the cask type that I've found the biggest kind of discrepancy with, where it's, I have really good highs, but then there are, like, really low lows. (laughs) So, um, I always, I guess, teeter to a port cast finished whiskey with a little bit of caution now, just because of that. Like, I feel like I haven't found a good middle ground. It's Mm -hmm. always either been a really good high or a really low low. Um, And, I mean, my most recent really good high was that Paul John port cask. Oh, yeah. And that that was, like, exceptional, like, from... Neck four all the way through, um mm-hmm. that I've been enjoying it, like nonstop. stop um but yeah, that was, yeah, that was just thinking like yeah, just that particular cast type just is so weird for me,
1: yeah, I do agree with you there, all right, on to today's topic, so the way I thought we could work this out, brad is i'll 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 name I'm gonna start with t v shows um because I feel like that was just the most formative pop culture whiskey integration yeah. that I found. I'll name the show. You give me a character. I'll tell you if that's who I'm thinking of, and then we can just chat a little bit more about it. The whiskey they drink, memorable quotes, yeah, and yeah, how that has shaped our experiences. So, I'll start with what I think is probably the most obvious one, and I think like there's really no way for you to get this one wrong. But Parks and Recreation.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know Nick Offerman or Ron Swanson. Yeah. <laughs> With his love
1: of uh, Lagervillen. Lagervillen 16, yes. In, I yeah. think that's the one that's appeared constantly throughout it. He has always expressed a love of whiskey, but it was that bottle, that distillery, that really um, shone through the show.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think my my favourite moment of the show is when Leslie gets him, like, as a ticket to go yep. to Scotland. <laughs> and he's just kind of, like, having that moment, you know, that we've both had. Like mm-hmm. when we went to Scotland. So then it's kind of one that you resonate with a little bit. Where you're yeah. like, Yeah, like I, I felt those feelings. So <laughs> I know what you're experiencing and what you're going through. So that was a really good moment to kind of see on screen.
1: Yeah, and I'll insert the quote here, but because um, 'cause I'm not it's too long to read out, but it was just something that I found Ron saying that was quite funny, that was like both quintessential American and they're like <sighs> hatred maybe a strong word of Europe. Yeah. Um but also their almost contradictory love of whiskey. So um, yeah, I'll put that in here. All my life, I have avoided Europe and its multitudes of terribleness. But it turns
0: out, much to my surprise, there is actually one place in Europe that is worth seeing. These tiny islands off the coast of Scotland, where God's chosen
1: elixirs are distilled, barreled and prepared for consumption. This is worth the trip. I watched Parks and Rec, I can't remember when I started it, but it was at the time the second last season was being released, because I remember having to yeah. wait for the last season, Yeah. and at that point, I wasn't, like, super into whiskey, I just, like, loved Ron's character and his love of whiskey, so I didn't even, like, clock Lagavulin as the distillery, and no, same. I thought... Same. I thought it was like some of the other shows where they kind of almost manufacture a fake distillery to put into the show. Although that's clearly not the case because Lagavulin is a real distillery. And I think at least if what has said is to be believed, there was no initial real kind of product placement brand deal from Lagavulin to get in there. It was just like... um, Nick Offerman did really love that distillery and when his character wanted to bring in like whiskey into the show he was one that I like, kind of said like okay well I'll, I'll bring in this whiskey because I love this whiskey so I'm pretty sure that's how it got into the show and it may have just like integrated further and further into it from there just to maintain that consistency um, with the character and his love of that particular type of whiskey but yeah, the time I first watched it, didn't, didn't really notice Lagavulin and almost independently, I discovered Lagavulin when I was going to watch a movie, which is also funnily enough, a movie I'll mention a little later. Actually, no, it, it was the Kingsman, um, yeah, Golden yeah. Circle. So it was the second one when that one came out, I was like, I'm going to order a whiskey because we we're going to gold class at the cinemas, which, um, for anyone who may not be aware is like the, the luxury seating in the cinema where you can order from a bar, you can get food, um. I just ordered from the bar. Yeah, <laughs> but I was looking at the menu and I was like, "What? What whiskey haven't I heard of?" And I, at that time, I like I read Lagavulin. I couldn't have pronounced it, so I was just like, "I'll get this one." Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, this is so good." And I think it would have been a couple of months later, um, coming up to my birthday, I decided to grab a bottle. And I was at the shops and I was like, "This is the one I had." And this was back when Lagavulin was hundred dollars. I think it was yeah. actually on sale for ninety that day, which is why yeah. I bought it. And ever since then, I loved it. And it wasn't until the rewatch of Parks and Rec that I actually noticed Lagavulin, and I was like, oh that's that's really cool." Um, now that I know that's actual, yeah. real distillery and real whiskey. So yeah, that was that was like kind of yeah, my experience, and it was almost like a. It may have like subtly influenced me initially, but the whiskey wasn't really the main focus. It wasn't until I was like actually into whiskey and then watched it again. Yeah. That a lot of that really stuck out to
0: me. <laughs> yeah, no, um, exactly the same for me. Like on re-watching it, it's like, oh yeah, wow. Well, that's a lot of stuff that obviously went over my head at the time. Yep. But then, yeah, it, when you revisit it with the knowledge we have now, you're kind of like, oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, That was a really good one.
1: Yeah, you pick up, pick up a lot of things, especially like I think like the more you know about a particular thing, you see, you start to really like notice that. And I think it almost works in the inverse, like noticing whiskey, you notice like when they've made up whiskeys for a show and you're like, I don't think like, uh, like, I don't know every distillery, but I know that is, that is definitely not one. Yeah. (laughs) that hundred percent sounds like a made up one, which I think will go us into the the next one, um, which would be the animated series, Archer.
0: Yeah, no, I know. I know this one. It would be Archer. And it would be the yeah. Glenn
1: <laughs> But before we go back to the States... Archer, I am not driving to Scotland with a kidnapped MI5 agent in the back just to visit a stupid distillery.
0: It's not stupid, Lana. It's Glen goolie for the best of times. The <laughs> Glenn yeah. yeah. That one's just... <laughs> I think the first time it gets mentioned is... I think it's the episode where either Archer and Lana are going to get back together, and Archer has the... Glen Gooley blue bottle from Cyril's desk, and he's Cyril's drinking desk, it. Yeah, and Cyril's like, that yeah. <laughs> I was saving that <laughs> from for like." My <laughs> father. Yeah. He's like, "And I was from my father, and I was saving it for a special occasion." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah well, let's <laughs> drink it."
1: Holy shit! Really, Glen Gooley blue? Yeah, and it's three hundred a bottle. I, which I haven't even tasted yet, because I was saving it for a special occasion.
0: You are such an
1: asshole. <laughs> mm, wait. Really? Yes, really. That was a gift to my grandfather from Frank Sinatra.
0: Well, then I feel even worse because I'm probably going to puke it up in about five, one minutes. And I, I'm fairly confident Glengully is kind of like fashioned to be after Johnny Walker, obviously. Right? I thought it was Glenfiddich. Oh, it might be Glenfiddich.
1: Because at least my, my memory of it, and I haven't seen it recently. I'm pretty sure it's like a, at least some kind of triangular bottle
0: yeah i can't remember as well i think it might maybe it could be like a, a combination of the two because it's like yeah. yeah like glenn goolie blue and then like johnny walker blue johnny being walker like blue. the premium like mm. johnny walker
1: so i don't know maybe it's like a combination of the two no nah, that that makes sense yeah
0: yeah but no that was yeah that one was pretty pretty and i think i started and like i did start watching archer you know when i was of drinking age so then it's yeah. like the drinking references are a bit more like huh Uh I've tried that, or I've had that spirit before. Because, like, if you haven't watched Archer there, he consumes a lot of alcohol. Yeah. So, and it's, like, it's not just, like, a specific type of alcohol. It's, like, everything.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I can't remember when it started to come out. Like, maybe it was released, like, after we were of drinking age. But I do remember watching Mm -hmm. it, kind of being at that age where while the character is kind of over the top and exaggerated, there is, like, an element of, like, relatableness underneath it. You're like, it's oh like yes.
0: <laughs> it's like who James Bond should have been. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: like the unglamorized one.
0: Yeah, it's like the realistic version of James realistic Bond. Question. Like, no yeah. one's
1: that suave and charming. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's still kind of like a mummy's boy. <laughs> yeah. But, man, that is, like... Uh, Again, this is kind of, like, where I want to talk about these because some of these are just such formative shows where I was watching them and, like, I just remember absolutely loving them. Um, And it's for for a lot of these smaller things and I think for now, like, given the love of whiskey, watching them back, it's, like, this is just one element that I just enjoy a little bit more. Especially when it's kind of made fun of as well. Yeah. Like, because, I mean, like, while while we talk about a lot of these things, we, we kind of use the pod as a space to kind of share ideas and work through different things and we we try things we've heard from the community some of those things we drop some of those we carry onwards some of them we change around just around like what whiskies we buy how we drink them what ones to look at what to look into what to avoid but i think there is a certain level of like we we, we don't take it too seriously and no. i like some of the how some of the Um, shows and characters they do turn it around and make fun of it a little bit as well and a perfect example that i can think of when it comes to this would be uh the show community
0: yeah that'd be Um, like uh, jeff and then McAllen. yeah yeah yeah
1: Yeah, jeff winger with McAllen. yeah and the 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 i guess like the one of the while he orders and drinks McAllen kind of throughout the series one of the more um, memorable scenes for me is when they go to the bar for troy's birthday and he orders a Macallan, and he's talking to and they're like him and britta are talking to troy about what drink he should order when he turns when he's t- able to turn 21 because this is the eve yeah. of his birthday um and jess talking to him about whiskey and he's like it like he's saying like oh he yeah, had two drops of spring water to bring out the flavors and then britta's like is there a guidebook for poser drinking at (laughs) whatever bar they're arguing about. With an aged scotch, never use ice. Never use ice. Got it. Why? Destroys it. At most, what you want? Two drops of spring water. Activates the flavor. Good lord. Do they have the rules to high maintenance poser drinking on the wall at L Street? Do they? Poser drinking? Hey, Miss Vodka, need four olives. What's that called? The too cool to care teeny. Is it? I bet the forced starkness of that drink order turns a lot of horn-rimmed heads at the red door. I can't wait to understand these arguments. It's just like one of those. It's so funny because like Jeff, to to the almost the same degree as Archer, he's like the the charismatic, suave character, but at the same time had that massive fall from grace and is in a community college. So he takes yeah. sometimes takes himself too seriously, which is kind of the joke at some of the points. Yeah. But again, like, I feel like a lot of these shows I was watching around the same time. So they've all had that formative.
0: Yeah. I think it's like, I'm the same as well, where it's like, you kind of picked them up close to, if not around the same time. So then it was kind of like an amalgamation of like constant whiskey references. Yeah. Like in all the TV shows you're watching. Yeah. So it's like, it's inevitably making some kind of imprint Mm -hmm. like on your subconscious until you, and you don't realize it until you're... In Scotland <laughs> visiting
1: distilleries. <So. laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're like something something's striking me about the name of this whiskey and then you like look back, you're like, oh, it's because it's in a show. Product placement yeah. does work even when it's unintentional. <laughs> Although yeah, I know McCallum probably do a lot of work getting
0: I was gonna stuff. say I'm like, they're probably the masters of yeah product placement. Like and I know there was a probably like a really a really significant like moment in like movie history where it's like almost like any bottle of whiskey on either, like, a desk or, like, in a, like, lawyer's office, like, on the little bar cart, it was, like, a Macallan bottle. And it's, like, you don't pick up on those things, but it's, like, when you watch movies now, you kind of see it. You're, like, yeah, no, that's a bottle of Macallan. Because, like, a bottle of Macallan is, like, really iconic Mm -hmm. in itself. It almost looks like it's a tuxedo, almost. You know, it's got, like, a really... It's got a really nice bottle shape. And then on top of that, they've got like a little triangle impressed, mm-hmm. like kind of like on the top as well. So it's like a super iconic shape. And then now when you see it, you're like, yeah. McAllen knew what they were doing, like positioning themselves as like this really premium whiskey. And then just being kind of like, not necessarily shoved in your face. Yeah. But just kind of like in the background. It's like, you still like notice it. And it's like one of those things where it's like, like an like example I gave like in a lawyer's office. And then, you know, they've got, like, this nice, like, city backdrop and everything in their office. And then, it just kind of in your mind, you think of, like, what do successful people drink? What's on that bar cart? It's that bottle. So then when you go to the shop and you're like, if I'm a successful person, this is what should be, like, on my shelf or on my bar cart as well.
1: Yeah, it plays at so many levels because, you know what, it's it's both subconsciously maybe subconsciously building yeah. that um, association mm-hmm. but it's also kind of developing that familiarity in you so you may again be subconscious yeah. to it so you'll be going to the, the bottle shop looking at all the different whiskeys like which ones do i want to buy and then the Macallan maybe co- catches your attention one because of that like like the per- how it permeates maybe a lot of the things you've been watching and seeing and so there's that familiarity so you're a little bit more inclined to kind of yeah. pay a bit more attention to that one and then you maybe start to make that those associations where you're like oh this is the whiskey that that lawyers and that successful people drink so maybe i'll maybe i will jump in on it
0: yeah because then yeah the, the obvious correlation to that is well it must be good yeah. <laughs> if successful people successful people drink it it must be good so yeah it's just one of those things and mccallan do the great thing as well like you know um strength wise typically around the 40 43% so they they know what they're doing oh, everything's really well manu- manufactured and really tailored towards being something that's approachable but still delivers and packs a lot of flavor you, you know what they're doing yeah it's been years in the making <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and then i mean guess like making a slight turn from a very you know specific whiskey and conscious efforts to do placement let's go to a made-up whiskey so you don't have to actually guess the whiskey and there are quite a few characters i think you could associate but um i think how i met your mother was also another show that i thought whiskey played a significant part in certain um ways of displaying particular like aspects of the characters so does anyone stand out to you from that show yeah
0: um number one obviously Barney stinson yeah than, uh, Robin. Yeah, so Robin was the one well, that I yeah. think,
1: like, while Barney, like, I think Barney kind of more fits that cookie cutter idea of a whiskey drinker, someone who's walking around in a suit, has a fancy office, yeah. most likely would have a bottle of Macallan on their desk, but in this show, they actually, um, use a made-up whiskey called Glenn McKenna, um, yeah. I think Which, it was a play yeah. of, um... I can't remember his name. McKenna was one of the writers of the show who also worked on American Dad. Um, so yep. it was like a homage to him combining Glenn with his surname. But yeah, Robin was a character I think, like, stood out to me more as the um, quintessential whiskey drinker of that show. Yeah. I, like, I know we kind of go against this fallacy, but she there was like a quote from her where she says like... Um, I like a scotch that's old enough to order its own scotch.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like,
1: that's just like a great quote. Like, well, we know, like, the age of whiskey is kind of moving to the back of the line in terms of, like, quality and desirable traits of a whiskey. Um, it's It's just such a great show and a great quote that I think is also maybe something that has shaped that initial impression of the age of whiskey is a good indication of quality and yeah. people in the know would order older whiskies.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that's funny as all well that you mentioned that because I I think the one moment like rewatching How I Met Your Mother that kind of stood out to me was they break, like just Robin and Lee, they, they break the bottle of 30-year-old Glenn McKenna. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then they just replace it with like yeah. cheap alcohol, and then they put like chocolate syrup mm. and like other random shit in it, and then I think whenever when Ted goes and drinks the bottle, he he's just like, this is amazing. Yeah. Like he can't <laughs> like he can't tell the difference. I and mean, it's kind of like poking fun at that idea as well, where it's like it's like all just in your brain, like mm-hmm. what you're expecting to experience from whiskey. I
1: mean, look at that color. It's almost chocolatey in its richness, <laughs> the reddish hue.
0: Something that looks sort of clumpy. Oh yeah, I I read about that.
1: Isn't the Highland region known for its clumps? Thanks, Lily. I'm very aware of the Highland clumps. You know what? I think I'm gonna sneak a taste. What? She's breathtaking. No, that's so true. And I remember another part of the show where they all said they would put together to buy some kind of crazy, ridiculously expensive bottle of whiskey at the bar. And they ask, like, the bartender, uh, Carl, yeah. um, like, how much it is. And he says, and then, so like, they, they decide to put away money. And then, like, in X amount of years, they'll buy it. And then it kind of flashes to that point where they're able to drink it. And then they're drinking it, and they're all trying to, like, describe as if it's good. And then they kind of, like, or just, like, it's not that great, is it? We all put aside 10 bucks every week for the next year. And we come back here, and we buy that 50-year-old scotch. And we toast the incredible, life-changing year we've all had. And
0: one year later, that's exactly
1: what we did. So let's raise a glass of $2,500 scotch for one hell of a year. Mm.
0: Mm. Amazing.
1: That's unbelievable. It's kind of smoky with a hint of aged cedar. And Do you guys taste the difference between this and $10 scotch? Not, not at all. No, no, no. I want to cut mine with Red Bull. <laughs> but,
0: yeah, it's, it's just like one of those things where it's, they play on that idea of like
1: whiskey drinkers being... The prestige you know, of it, yeah. Yeah,
0: and you need that age statement on the bottle, but then also like poking fun at it mm-hmm. as well, where it's... Yeah, it's all just in your yeah. You're not really experiencing any of this shit. <laughs> like... So no, that, that's like kind of one of those moments when I think back, like when I think to How I Met Your Mother and um, on revisiting yeah. it, it's just yeah, one of those moments where I was just like, that's so funny because it, it just, it's so true as well. Yeah.
1: And this is one of the things like, again, I, I think I remember watching How I Met Your Mother as it was being released. So I would have been like early high yeah. school. And a lot of these jokes about the bars and the alcohol kind of, like, meant nothing to me. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. this is funny because it's meant to be funny in the context of the show. But then it's, like, not until, yeah, rewatching it later, you're like, oh, there, there are so many things that you kind of pick up and you'll get to laugh at because there's that relatableness to it. Because, <laughs> like, I'm sure yeah. we've all had a whiskey that is either expensive or a super high age statement that you're like, this isn't great. But I don't want to say it's not yeah. great in front of everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like it's it's not just through fear of like thinking you should appreciate it, but maybe it's someone else's bottle and you're like, or someone else really likes it and you're like, do they really like it? Or are they actually acting like they really like it? <laughs> <laughs> like there's so many things to play, but it's just, yeah. It's a funny yeah. thing because like, yeah, you do see these moments in the shows where it's like that is yeah, very relatable in that context. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I had one more TV show. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but Mad Men? No, uh, I not okay. know. But
0: I know the show, it's like lawyers and corporate America at that period of time as well. It's, again, going back to that point of whiskey being like in the bar yeah. cart in your office. So, And then it's just like middle of the day, you've just got the decanter and you're pouring whiskey. Yeah. Like, what do you do so for So it's, <laughs>
1: yeah, they all work at an ad agency. It's Don Draper, played by John Hamm, who kind of is that... He plays that, like, almost that, not the same, but similar to, like, Barney Stinson, where, like, initially always in a suit, is always kind of like that, that suave, um, charismatic type character who drinks whiskey. And, like, yeah, it's 1950s, 1960s America, where you do have this kind of really weird, crazy period where, yeah, they've got bar cuts in the middle of their office and during the day, maybe even for breakfast as well, first thing in the office... Um, just pouring a glass of whiskey i know the whiskey that was mainly featured throughout the show was canadian club which i think is a bit more representative of what the whiskey industry would have been like at the time blends would have played a big deal but yeah that was that was kind of like it's such a, like a, a strong presence in the show that it's almost impossible to miss. It's like that bar cart with the bottle sitting on top. Like, as you said, it's just yeah. like, yeah, nailing that kind of image home.
0: Yeah. And like, similarly to Mad Men, almost like two sides of the same coin where it's like suits uh, and like Harvey Specter as well. I haven't seen suits and, though. So you know, like, this is oh, your, Okay. Yeah. Your... Cause and like, yeah. And his like drink of choice is like Macallan mm. and he often references like Macallan 18, like in the show. And again, it kind of goes back to that same thing, you know, he's like really successful corporate lawyer, office, like overlooking like the Manhattan skyline. Yep. And then you've got like a bar cart, just, like in the office <laughs> where it's like after winning like every case, you'd like have a glass of whiskey. Yeah. And like he references it throughout the show as well. Like, you know, McAllen's like his drink of choice and because it's like prestige and because James Bond drinks it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's just like one of those things where it's like pop culture within pop culture. Mm. So
1: yeah. Okay, so that's- they're all of the, the TV shows that I remember watching that have really, like, had standout whiskies to me. I do have an honourable mention that I, I want to raise just purely because of the drink of choice. Um, So, huge fan of, like, spy novels, and I've been reading this series that have been recently made into a TV show. Um, it's called Slow Horses and the main character Jackson Lamb who in the TV show is played by Gary Oldman and i've watched the first two seasons and they're very like very close to the books um except for one th- this one element about the drink of choice and you'll understand what i'm saying meaning in a second right but the main character like he is more often like drinking whiskey in the evenings in his office um he's definitely not a <laughs> the the suited office like this um yeah, the series is based around the the reject spies. So any of the spies that like really like fucked up in on a mission, yeah. they get sent to this place to do busy work. And the guy Jackson Lamb, who runs this place, um, is basically like an aging old spy who's like degraded into a slob. And um, those so offices like always dark. It always smells. And he's just in there drinking like the whiskey that he keeps in his drawer, which is a taliscar. <laughs> And in the books, I absolutely loved that. And in the show, he poured whiskey that definitely was not from a Talisker bottle that did break my heart a little bit. <laughs> oh, that's so, funny. yeah, that's, that's my honorable mention. I don't know if there's anything else that stands out to you. Yeah, to you... so,
0: so say it must be cheaper to type the word and reference a word than reference a. Yeah, yeah. In a movie, must be cheaper to do so.
1: I, I don't doubt. <laughs>
0: yeah and well like for me I think one that really stands out is like a I was gonna say like fairly old movie but it's not so it's like 2003 I think it's like God was saying like 2003 is old but
1: 20 years (laughs) um, ago now
0: yeah but it's um Lost in Translation Mm. it's like Mm. and it's just like a really super iconic moment I think for just whiskey and cinema and like my reason being as well because it's like not referencing Macallan yeah but it's like Bill Murray, he plays like this like washed up actor and he's like trying to get back into kind of acting and being in big movies and stuff again. I think that's the plot of the movie. i it's been a while <laughs> since I've seen it, but I remember watching it again, being a bit older and then seeing the part where he goes to Japan and he's doing like an advertisement and he's doing an advertisement for Suntory. Mm. And then he has to say like,
1: For relaxing times, make it Suntory time
0: then I think that's kind of been a super iconic moment in Whiskey where it's just like, and like in that scene as well, he's like in his tuxedo. He's like sitting in like this dark leather chair. Yeah. (laughs) And then he's got like the rocks glass and he's like, yeah, drinking a a glass of Suntory. And I think it kind of, I don't know, maybe even helped usher in that kind of age of like, what's Japan doing with Mm. Whiskey? And Suntory starting to like make a name for themselves, like in the industry, that yeah they're producing quality with spirit, and then that kind of bleeds into you know what's happening with Yamazaki and Hakushu, and the fact that you can't get a bottle for less than three hundred dollars now. So definitely not relaxing times if you want (laughs) Japanese whiskey. (laughs) Definitely not (laughs) relaxing times if you if you want to drink Suntory Toki. That's probably a relaxing time. That's like 60, 70 bucks. But if you want any other Japanese whiskey, you're not having a relaxing <laughs> time. I can tell you that. <laughs> but no, that's definitely one that stands out for me.
1: Just to finish this off, I've got four other references that are kind of like the reverse of this. So we're talking about like whiskeys that are present in TV shows, but I'm thinking like, what are whiskeys that have been inspired by TV shows or movies? And I think like for a lot of people, almost immediately the thing that would jump out to them would be the Game of Thrones releases from Diageo. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know too much about, like, the workings behind the scenes that got that up and running other than just linking the particular houses in Game of Thrones to the styles of whiskeys from the distilleries that Diageo manage.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and if... I'm fairly certain... House Targaryen is in a Peter drum as well, which just not that sense. doesn't make sense. So, no,
1: I think. Well, yeah. If if I'm right, with was that Cardew?
0: Because yeah, if they were Cardew, it, it kind of yeah. makes
1: sense in terms of like, um, oh, we did an episode on this. the The lady who like really led that distillery.
0: Uh, okay, but yeah, I just yeah, my initial thought would have been pick a Peter, uh-huh. <laughs> like obviously, um. And then, again, also like Oban being the Nights Watch, just kind of what like the rejects, and yeah, like yeah, <laughs> off to the side. I was like, "What's going on?" <laughs> I was like, "What is going on?" Um, again, like the feeding one, maybe Lannister being Lagerbolin just because of like the, the lion. lion, yeah. So you're and like, okay, yeah, fair enough. and
1: Talisker being um, oh, I don't know it well enough. The sea, uh, Greyjoy yes Greyjoy, yeah.
0: which are the um yeah the guys that live by on the, the iron Islands? yeah, so
1: that yeah makes, um, that, like that that association makes that sense. one made
0: sense that one made sense yeah um and like they have lots of references like to the great joys like briny and like salty. yeah like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so it, it really made sense that one so like they did good on some and then others was like eh,
1: so El- elizabeth Cumming was the um the daughter in law yep. of the founders that, that rebuilt the distillery in eighteen eighty five. Um so that's I think like Yeah, it's already burned down, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah.
0: Like it burned down and it like came from the ashes. Yeah, like I get it, but like But
1: that's like it's a flavor profiles
0: here, guys. Yeah. Come on. Like like he just he doesn't uh, make a sense. history
1: <laughs> that may not be well that well known to people yeah who aren't interested so much in the history of distilleries. Um the the link may be yeah, quite of yeah. obscure, but the fact they do have that link I think was cool.
0: Again, for like whiskey nerds, yeah, <laughs> they're like, oh, that's really cool. So like up our wheelhouse, but then you kind of think of like, who was this kind of catered to? Mm-hmm. And it's probably like fans of the show and the fans of the show probably went and bought the bottles and kept them as like collector's items and didn't consume yep. them. Like I've got a friend that's got all of them and they're just, he does, he's not going to open it because <laughs> he just liked Game of Thrones that much. And it's just like, I'm just like cool it's cool but you know like i'd open them <laughs> yeah <take> them, so <laughs> it's not, i'm like you still have the tin man like no one's gonna know there's nothing <laughs> in there <laughs> so it's just like one of those like ah whatever um and again like i did the same thing with like johnny walker yeah. as well where they had like the white walker nice
1: bottles yeah, yeah.
0: And, and then they had yeah fire and ice then they had the white walker so yeah just I don't know. And that White Walker one was really weird. That like, to really enjoy this, you've got to freeze it. I'm just like, I'm not freezing a bottle of Johnny Walker, mate. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to that much effort for, for Johnny Walker. Walker. I think it was sorry. like red right or something. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm really sorry, but that's not happening. I appreciate um, the no, that, to the, the, the bit, but I
1: mean... <laughs> yeah. There's really so much effort yeah, not doing into- that. <laughs> You're not doing that one, mate.
0: Um, but... I think, yeah, no, that was a good point. That was a good one to bring up. Yeah,
1: and then I think... then the
0: uh, You know, it's funny when you mention this, the one that actually came to mind was the Kingsman one. I was was, just about to get to that one. That's the one that actually came to mind when you first (laughs) said it. And then obviously, like, the big glaring, like, elephant in the room was, like, the Game of Thrones ones because they were, you know, significantly more popular, I'd say. Yeah,
1: I think, like, the Kingsman ones, like, they played into the, the, the... like premium, premium market kind of, whereas yeah. game of thrones are a little bit more yeah. widely accessible but yeah the kingsman was something i was going to come back to because for the second film golden circle i'm pretty sure they partnered with old forester um because okay. i know yeah. that uh is that bourbon or american whiskey well it's both it's american it's whiskey bourbon. but i didn't know if it was bourbon yeah. or um, <laughs> just some other or malt. Or, yeah yeah or like yeah, single mole, yeah. Um, you know, but it's bourbon, because I know that sure, that yeah. appeared quite a lot, and that played a, like big yeah. part in that second movie. And I'm pretty sure they also did do an actual, like, old forest did do an actual release. um That okay was well, maybe that's cool. not as um, marketed like, that's as cool, the
0: because I remember the Scotch one, the Glendronach one, was like freaking like two two yeah, and a half. That was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, that looks great, but I'm not buying yeah. that. <laughs> uh, but it looked really good though. It's it's one of those where I was like. I don't know, the packaging and everything was, like, really mm-hmm. spot on. It was one that I would have been, like, if if I was going to spend that much on, like, a themed whiskey, it probably would have been the one.
1: Yeah. Um, And staying in the spy realm, Bowmore did a release that tied in with James Bond. It was the Black Bowmore, uh, his car, the DB5.
0: Uh, okay. I know this yeah. one
1: also retailed for something crazy, like £50,000 crazy. <laughs> Like Yeah It's Just nowhere now. in our weird house Which is probably why Many people May not have been aware of it Um But then like yeah The fi- the final Um Mention I think is uh, it's, it's very much in the cult classic But um It would be Anchorman Oh uh, yeah Like yeah. Ron Burgundy <laughs> Yeah I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch Scotchy, scotch, scotch. Here it goes down, down into my belly. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's, um... No, yeah, that's and one. they did, they did, they did do, they did, did, did uh, the, <laughs> they did actually do a release, like a whiskey release, that was named Ron Burgundy, um, Great Odin's Raven. I don't know too much about this, I know it was blended from old St. Andrews, but... I'm pretty sure it's been discontinued and I think it may have only been available at select places. I don't think it ever made it out oh, to okay. Australia. Um so uh, like I hadn't really heard of it, but I just Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, so they're my um some of my favorite whiskey pop culture related things that really, I don't know, shaped influenced, influenced me. <laughs> yes, yeah. you could say and you too. Which is like, like the perfect
0: yeah. segue into like our next conversation of you know, just Our top five most influential whiskeys, I guess, thus far. And a little bit, a little spiel of why as well. I don't know. We can go one for one or you can, we can just, I can say my five and you say your five. Happy for you to have any comments on my (laughs) five. Um, We'll go one uh, for one. Because I might have comments on yours. Yeah, we'll go one for one. Yeah, cool. So my first one, and again, this is in no particular order, but then when I think about it, I don't know, maybe it's in a particular order, but it might, Yeah, but it's definitely not maybe um the first one would be open 21
1: of course Um, so
0: yeah why that's super influential right um again like i've mentioned on the pod before like i got it as a wedding present off my wife and so of course it has that sentimental kind of note to it as well where it's like when i think about that whiskey that's what i think of but it was also like my real foray into expensive whiskey and it's also probably the best whiskey I've ever tried. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, sure. Super influential for me. Yeah. Um, yeah,
1: guys? so my first one is going to be Ardbeg Ugadal. And not not because oh, yeah. I already saw Brad's list and I knew this was on it <laughs> and I wanted to get it first. <laughs> <laughs> but because it's actually on... Nah. I, I would say, again, this is not in any particular order, but um, this was one where I think of all of the bottles I have, it is one that I yep. think I would consistently buy again. Whereas like I yep. can, I, there's so many whiskeys that I love, but once I finish them, I'm like, I'd rather buy something else where this one I'm like, yeah, yeah. to keep
0: going and keep exploring. Like, whereas this one I is s- stable. It's so a staple, for sure.
1: just continuously buy. I don't know. Like for, I kept the bottle for like months after I finished it, just because every time I cracked <laughs> it, it still had that smell and I enjoyed it yeah. almost as much as the whiskey itself. It was just, Ah, oh, it's something special. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, and for me, like, my next one, again, would be the one <laughs> that you've just said. I'd bet Gugdale you got it <laughs> in before me. But again, like, I don't know if this was my first Peter Drum. Like, I feel like it might have been. But it's definitely the most memorable mm. Peter Drum I've had, which is why I'm inclined to think it's the first one I've had. I um, actually
1: think Lager 16 may have been your first one. Because that's mentioned earlier. Like I bought a bottle for my birthday, and I know you were there. Yeah, it might quite been, a few years yeah, before. It might have been Lager Sixteen. The
0: yeah, it, it might have been Lager Sixteen. Whereas, I don't know. Ugdal just oh, hit yeah. different because I definitely remember the first time I ever mm-hmm. tried Ugdal. Um, it's like you came over at my place and yeah. you had it, you brought it over, and I just remember having it, and I was just like, this is insane. Um, so yeah, influential wise, that that one was the one where I knew I liked Peter mm-hmm. whiskey. Or like, I I don't know, I wouldn't mind trying it and drinking it if it was there. But this was the one where it like really tipped me over the edge. Where it's like, no, you're like a full-blown mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the experience you want more often than not from whiskey. And then it's now, that's that experience where it's constantly trying mm-hmm. to chase that. for From like a pita dram. So yeah, no, that's why it's super influential.
1: Yeah, my number two would be the Krakenmore Twelve from the 2019 Rare by Nature releases. Oh, that's a good like. Pick. As yeah. much as like, Ukedal would be the one I constantly buy. This is one I regret not buying at least more of at the time it came out.
0: Did yeah, this this is one I I definitely regret not buying because this bottle is exceptional. Yeah,
1: and for for yeah. anyone who's um maybe not heard the backstory to this, I think we've spoken about it recently as well, but. Um, Tal- there was a drought in the sky, so Talisker had some lightly petered barley that they couldn't distill, so they sent it off, like, because it's Diageo, they just moved it around, sent it off to Cragganmore, and and they had, like, a small batch, uh, like, for three to four months, they were just, like, making kind of, like, a lightly petered version of Krag and and, oh, it's it's exceptional.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. So, so good. um, And number three for me, um, again, one... You've heard (laughs) endless amount of times on the pod, but Open 14, one of the first DRAMs I've ever had, definitely not the first. I think I'm pretty sure the first DRAM I ever had was um, Highland Park 10. Ah, yeah. Which would have like, that that kind of like tipped me into like the whole world of Scotch. But this was the one that I guess started the whole exploration into Scotch even Mm -hmm. more. And this was the one that I was really like, Whereas, like, those first other drams were more oh, okay, like, whiskey is actually pretty good, and I I wouldn't mind having a dram every now and again. Whereas, Open 14 was just like, I think I want to keep drinking whiskey for the rest of yep. my life. <laughs> it was like just kind of that moment for me, and again, it's just I wanted to think if it wasn't for Open 14, like, we wouldn't be here, <laughs> yeah, like with a podcast, so yeah super influential and like
1: funnily enough i had um drinks with some friends uh friend over the weekend and he hadn't he doesn't drink whiskey he's a beer person yep. um but i we tried a whole bunch of different whiskies, and i gave him open 14 and that was his favorite one i'm like it is it is such a good it works, one guys. to introduce people yeah. onto, even people who like maybe have never tried whiskey it just like it works so well yeah it
0: Again, it yes. just works. So, <laughs>
1: yeah, you you can't you can't fault yeah, it, for sure. You can't fault it. Um my third one, purely for the amount of times we have spoken about our experiences with this, would be the Westwood Pinot Noir cask strength.
0: Oh, that's a like, good one. That that would have been a good one. I swear,
1: yeah. like you and I like we bring this up so <laughs> many times because that experience like you've now secured a bottle, which it is so good, but like, yeah, like we, we revisited it when you got that bottle over Christmas and like, it's, it still hits the same. I'm like, it's just, yeah, yeah, it does. It, it really it's does. It's a very good one.
0: <laughs> no, that one was really good. It, it, it was such a good dream to kind of like cap yeah. out. Yeah, in. for sure. <laughs> because we'd been a little like sporadic with the pod and we were like in and out of it. Um, like we had a lot of stuff going on that year. So we were just like in and out of the pod and we couldn't get consistency, but then it was just kind of like. At Christmas we were like we just want to drink as many drinks as possible yeah. and like I just got the bottle after you know <laughs> two years of missing out on it we finally got it and then like when we had it we like both looked at each other and we were like it's the same it's exactly yeah. the same it's so it was, good it was, yeah it was so, such a journey yeah.
1: like we we didn't yeah. buy it when it was released we tried it at this event it was amazing you had it in your cart you l- dropped it from the cart it sold out. Yeah. We thought it was lost forever and it, it came back nearly two years later. It was like, yeah. just Yeah.
0: Like, it was, it, that that yeah. was such a good one. Uh, that was such a good pick. Um, my fourth one here would be the Lark um, Car Strength mm. Bottle. Yeah. So this one here, I chose this because this is probably that Aussie whiskey that I had where it was just kind of like, okay, I need to start taking it a lot more seriously and I need to start paying a lot more attention to what's going on, like in my own backyard, as opposed to just going to Scotch constantly or going to Bourbon. So this one was the one that was just like, okay, yeah, look a, look what's around you <laughs> and start paying attention to that because there's some really good stuff that you're missing out on. And yeah, Lark cast strength if you haven't tried it. I don't know. It's pretty damn good. Um,
1: yeah, so my number, what are we up to? Four. Um, four. Would be Talisker yeah. 18. Like... Yeah, that's a good one. I really love Talisker. I've loved the Talisker 10. Like, I think that's the one that I've probably bought the most bottles of. And yeah. just being able to get the 18 and try it, it was like... like a, Yeah, I mean, like again, it's it's eight years older, but it was a grown-up version of the 10. It was just like... It was <laughs> a lot more refined. It knew yeah. what it was doing. It yeah. carried a lot more complexity. And I was just like... Yeah, so chuffed with yeah. that one. Hm.
0: Yeah, the 18 task routine's really really good and it's like one of those other moments as well where it's age statement isn't everything but when you get an aged whiskey that imparts some really good notes and flavor and characteristics yep. into a whiskey you can really tell and that's one of those bottles where you can really tell that the age has done its part and done its job to making a more complex and a more flavorful whiskey so yeah really good pick Um my last one here Probably a bit, not more so, a positive influence, but it was like one that you could you could kind of say... Um, it's definitely been influential. It because it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely been influential. Um, it would be the Glenn Brothers 25. <laughs> so this one, again, like my auntie, she, she loves whiskey. She buys whiskey a lot. And this was one where, I don't know, I tried it and I just, I don't know. There was just a weird funk there and I just couldn't kick it and like once I had that on my palate like everything else was like yep. blocked out that was going on in the dram and it was just like one of those first ones to kind of show like stand out to me where it's like okay just because a whisk is expensive you got like a huge age number um, a, a huge age statement stacked onto it doesn't mean you're gonna like it and it doesn't mean it's for you um because I'm not gonna say it's not a good dram because I'm sure other people find it to be really good. But for me, it's not a good dram for me.
1: <laughs> it's like, it's really interesting because maybe we just have like a very similar palette when it comes to these ones. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Cause I remember you we didn't like it either. Yeah. You, Cause your reaction to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Because
0: your reason for not liking it was the exact same reason <laughs> as mine where you're just like, I just tasted something. And it's all I can yeah. taste now. And anything else that's happening, like, I'm not experiencing it at all. There's
1: this, there's this weird funky flavor going on <laughs> that I, I'm not a yeah. fan of. <laughs> yeah. So for my number five, ah, uh, I mean, like, you really threw me with this um, one because I'm trying to think if there has been a similar one that had maybe a negative influential impact on me. Um, but I can't think of too many that have done it to the point where, like, it's like ingrained in my brain, like almost like a traumatic experience. Yeah. <laughs> you get flashbacks to. Yeah. Um, aside from this one, but for the sake of variety, since you have already mentioned it, honestly, I'm torn, and I think like for the same reason, you're you've put up lark. I'm gonna put up the Launceston Winter Solstice bottling, but like yeah. honestly, that's that's it's t- yeah no, I will have to go this one Be- just because like I think it really renewed my faith in the Australian whiskey's ability the Australian whiskey industry's ability to do peated whiskeys because I had had an ex like a like consistent experience of just being underwhelmed with what I was trying when a whiskey had said either peated lightly peated contained peated malt. Like not to say like these whiskeys were bad, but just I'm like, where's the peat at? Like (laughs) I just wasn't really getting it. And it wasn't kind of scratching the same itch that Scotch peated whiskeys do. Yeah. And when I got this one, I got it just purely because I was like, like buying. Surely someone's yeah. going to get it right. <laughs> well, I was just buying into the whole winter solstice special release bottling. I think there was only yeah. like 36 bottles that were sold. And I was like, you know what? I haven't bought anything recently. It's, it's winter. I'm staying at home doing nothing. It's, it's getting dark earlier. So I'll, yeah. I'll get a peated whiskey. And I remember trying it. And like, I was like, just like mind, like just expanded. I was like, Oh my God we can do petered whiskey. This is great. I am, yeah. I'm very impressed with this and um, yeah, that would be my fifth one.
0: Yeah, no, I'm glad you chose that one. I th- I had a feeling like your Aussie whiskey of choice was, was a flip of a coin between this one or the yep. Sylvester <laughs> by Chardonnay barrel. Because again, that one is super like just, again, it's a testament to the Australian whiskey scene and pushing the boundary of what whiskey sh- can be aged in and, should be aged in to get any impart flavor yep. so yeah two that i was thinking all right which <laughs> it, one are you gonna choose even I'm up sure. until i said it it was
1: a, <laughs> it was still a flip of the coin i was going back and forth in my head just because i'm like they just both like almost have the the same they serve the same purpose in my brain when it comes to what yeah. they have influenced and that has just been around like yeah th- like yeah uh, ways that a strong whiskey can do pete well
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, I mean, those are our kind of most influential whiskeys thus far. I mean, if you guys want to shoot yours our way, be more than happy to. That probably wraps it up for today.
1: Yeah, so if you want to reach out to us, either about some of your favorite pop culture whiskey um, references, moments, I'm sure we've missed quite a few, um, just even in the... Um, a very broad summary we got into in this episode. We'd love to hear about it. So um, you can reach us at dramtalk.au at gmail.com or you can shoot us a message, slide into the DMs over at Instagram at dramtalkpodcast.
0: Right. Now, our glasses may be empty and we hope yours aren't. But if they are, pour pour another Dram! dram!